Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And good morning here from Lift After Breakfast here on 3CR, your only radio left. Susanna Duffy here with you again this morning. And golly, it's just lucky, listener, that you don't see what goes on behind the microphones when the microphones are off. It's amazing, struggling away, but I won't tell you. Instead, I'll tell you to say a good morning to our resident historian, his and her historian, our historian, Glenn. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Susanna. Good morning, listeners. And as I say, seeing is believing. Now, speaking of listeners, I believe one of our listeners has a birthday today. So a big happy birthday to Jenny Campbell in Listenerland. Oh, it's a thing about birthdays, isn't it? Mm. Look, Jenny, I've got to tell you this. Look, in this day and age, you'll appreciate in the 21st century, people can be walking around the bloody moon. They can be taking photographs on Mars and they still can't find a cure for the common birthday. It's really harsh. <laughs> but the lucky thing is it happens only once a year. So today's Jenny's birthday, so happy birthday to Jenny in Listenerland. And it's also that the more you have, the longer you live. True. That's, that's been proven. So, you, well, I suppose you're like card. You collect birthdays. Another birthday to the collection. One more to the collection. Hey, I've got a big collection box here. But where do you store them? Your birthdays. Well, I don't know because I've got this book I'm reading. I've told you about the life-changing magic of tidying. Okay. It's fascinating, and you wouldn't recognise my house. Well, I am at work. I do a lot of secondary consultation on hoarding. Do I'm you? One of, yes, I'm one of our trained staff. A number of us had a, oh, how am I worded? A number of us have had ex, not ex, yeah, extensive training and working of people who have a hoarding disorder. Are there really I'm people one of who have hoarding disorders? I mean, I know, oh, I, do. I know there's. I know such a thing exists, such a thing mm. is, but I thought this must be, if, if I'd ever thought of it, would be such a rare occurrence. It's diagnosed surely. now in a DSM-5. For a long time, hoarding was um, was put under the OCD category. OCD is mm. part of the anxiety family. And hoarding now has a category of its own since 2013 in DSM-5. And so what's a DSM five? The diagnostic tongue twister. It's the diagnostic statistical manual, which is the psychiatrist bible. Okay. And a, the British that's the that's the American one. I can't recall the British one's called. But, but we use the American one. But they're careful, But mm. they're diagnosed now. It's a and hoarding illness. It's one of the most common diagnosed mental health disorders in Australia. Is it estimated at any given time around 5% of Australians have a hoarding disorder? They can take different shapes and forms. Hoarding disorder. Well, of course, if, if I've thought about it and I have any, except when well, I have a son who consistently calls me a hoarder, that mm. um, he couldn't call me that now, but I don't, I don't think I've hoarded. I have kept old Christmas cards, and I've still got the old lady Christmas cards, thank you very much. I mean, hoarding But I now. thought it would have come from, seriously, a time in your life when you really had nothing, 
Hey, look, and you hmm. grab things and hold things to have something for, you know. I'm yep. speaking very loosely, but you know what I mean. Some people do that. You can put that on any level. You can hoard mechanical items. You can hoard animals. You can hoard animals. foods. Well, foodstuffs. Yeah. I mean, it's in it's intriguing or encounter in our roles. Anyway, enough of my work no, no, the conversation. That's interesting holding. I'm going to. I'm happy to talk I'm to you. I'm going yeah. to investigate this. Oh, well, I'm sure the way you're saying that everyone must know a hoarder. Ah, uh, yes, yes. If you're uh, look, about it's, such big, it's quite big prevalent. Numbers. It's quite prevalent. But of course, it wouldn't be seen. People wouldn't see that oh, as no. a, as a mental health disorder. But as it is diagnosed now. For a long time, yeah. it was um, it was categorised under obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. And you can have an obsessive compulsive disorder and a hoarding disorder. They can be separate, and they can also come together. And that's that thing of mental health issues. It's all very fluid. Things chop and change. You have two or three disorders. You might only have one. Golly. And we it's sort of bloody hard, isn't but it? But that's the thing. We treat we don't treat mental health disorders as health problems. You know, if you have cancer or a heart attack or you break your legs, that's a health issue. But if you're anxious or depressed, nah, that's that's because you're weak. And uh, at least for the last 10, 20 years, a lot of that stigma, a lot of the nonsense has been broken down about mental health disorders. Anyway, I'm going to digress and. Well, we haven't even started. We digressed before we even started. We'll blame Jenny Campbell and her birthday. Okay, valid point. For taking us off topic. Let's cast our mind back to Woolloomooloo in Sydney on April the 6th, 1864. And a young little chap was born. The Lou in 64. Mm, That's a way back. His name was Anthony Martin Silva. His parents, his mother was Sarah. She was Indigenous. And his father, who disappeared... Some stages with Mariano Silva. It sounds like he was um, Sinhalese, maybe. Or Portuguese. Well, that, that, he's, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. There's an ambiguity. The father disappeared. But Silva, mm, like, as in hi-ho. S-I-L-V-A, not S-L-V-R. Silva. It's a Portuguese spelling, but so, yeah. Yeah. But Anthony was, um, now he was, t- he left, for some reason he followed, left his mob when he was a little kid and stuff, and he, um, he became a train driver. At the age of 23, he, re- he returned to his mother and or returned to find his mother and she'd passed away. Not long after, he was, um, he was present when uh, two white fellas murdered an Aboriginal man and he wanted to give evidence against these murderers. They said, no, 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 you're a black fella. You can't give evidence in court. And the two white murderers were acquitted. So you go, he's, a, he's an Aboriginal man. He said, a man murdered by these two white fellas. And the law says, no, no, you can't give evidence. You're a black fella. And the two white murderers were set off scot-free. And he was disgusted of Australia. He thought, this is absolute Tommy Rot. So he set off overseas. Yeah, it's an interesting turn of phrase, Tommy Rot. It is. I like it. Thank you, um, Tony Silver. Sorry, Anthony Silver. I'll um, mm. use that in the future. He thought it was Tommy Rot. So he head off. He thought, Australia's disgusting. What it does to its own people, I'm leaving this place. And he set across to Europe, and he worked as a welder. How did he get across there? It's on, not easy. On boats in those days. Well, of course on a boat. <laughs> I know he went. Well, I know he didn't walk there, for heaven's sake, Glenn. Um, <laughs> I hope not. Didn't fly, for sure. Yeah, but he saw it. Yes, don't, don't fly, don't fly. The sun will melt your wings. No, Icarus. No, but he... If he went on a boat, I wonder, how did he get on a boat? He would have had to have money or else he worked on a boat. Well, he he got a job on a boat. He worked as an engine driver in Australia. So he got to be so a... he had tra- some money. A big... Lo- he, if he was a train driver, they were locomotives. Yes, he got some money. Maybe enough to buy passage. Unclear. But yeah. he worked in Europe. He worked- I mean, it's, that wasn't easy. So good going on it. No, he worked in Europe as a toy maker, a jewellery maker, 
a servant, a welder, and the place he fell in with was Italy. He's a clever man. Mm. So, you see, when you said, you know, sort of like sort of toy maker, with his hands. jewelry maker, this is very fine work. It is. As well as being able to drive one of those big bloody locomotives. That's right. You've got to get, you have to have, my father used to say, you have to have the feel for, for the loco itself. Mm. They're all different, they all have different ways of working. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Holly. he, he fell in love with Italy and he decided to change his surname and he adapted what he called a, a plain Italian working man's name, Fernando. He became Anthony Martin Fernando. That was his call back in 1910. And he um, went from Italy to Austria and um, the British authorities denied he was a British subject. He said, hey, I'm from Australia, yeah. black fella, and you're, you're our imperial lord. I'm British subject. No, 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 no. You must be a Negro. You must, you must be an American. And in Austria, during 1916, when the, they yes, were at war, this, the Great Trade were, War, he was this interred. He was locked up. And he, he I said, this is good enough. I need to be released. He went to the US Embassy in Vienna. And they liaised the British Foreign Office, who again said, no, he's a Negro. We can't support him. We referred to the Australian Embassy. They said, well, we can't find any previous born in Australia. So he was left languishing for a couple of years in Austrian jail because the Americans, the British and Australians denied his humanity. After the war, he returned to Italy where he worked in Milan and um, he did a whole lot of, he tried to raise attention to the plight of Indigenous Australians. He uh, organised a private petition for the Pope. He met members of the League of Nations Geneva and he protested in Germany against Australian justice towards Aborigines. In 1923, he returned to Italy and he was locked up Again. Again, different reason, for distributing pamphlets saying oh, well. that the British race was murdering his people. And it's He's true. locked up in Italy. Yeah. The, the by distributing... saying the British, well, it does matter. Truth is no defence. Mm, no. We, no, we, we, when you say something that's quite true, if you say you're a murderer, you know, well, truth is no defence at all. That well, That is the law. But... I want how it got stranger. What's it got to do with the Italian authorities? Well, this is a time Muslim. It came to pass. They hate England, so yeah. When, so it should have nothing. Well, they were racist too, because he was a black fella, and uh, it's just it's a one of the many paradoxes. But yeah, he was raising the plight of Indigenous Australians on the king European of Italy, stage. There was still a king of Italy. Yeah, Emmanuel was there, but Mussolini came to power in twenty two. Emmanuel was there, but he was more of a, a titular figurehead at that stage. But he was still Yeah, there was still a king. Anyway, they decided they would put him to England. England had denied it six years earlier, saying, no, he's a Negro, he's not a thousand. They took him. So he went this to England. This is an incredible... Are you sure this is all real? Uh, this is written here by a couple of authors called Fiona Paisley and Alison Holland in the Australian Dictionary of Biography from the Melbourne University Publications. The story of Anthony Martin Fernando. So he, he's, seen, he's seen an Aboriginal man killed in Sydney. He couldn't give evidence. He lost his mob earlier. Found his mum. She's passed away. Train driver. Travelled Asia, Europe. Locked away in Austria. Raised issues of Indigenous persecution. Went to the League of Nations. Petitioned to the Pope. We've never heard of this bloke, have we? Back in Italy. Yeah, back in Italy. And jailed in Italy yep. for saying something that, that the British government, that the British didn't like. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know who this... I, as this I've never heard of him. I've never heard of this man. Nor had I. To, I, I somebody mentioned his name recently about Indigenous you know, figureheads in you know, the early 20th century. And I Googled I thought, goodness me. 
heavens above. <coughs> I mean, I've never, ever heard of... Uh, no, well, hmm. not that I grew up knowing the names of any... Anyway, deported to England. People. Deported to England. He, From um, Italy. Yes. So he must have been a citizen. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. He didn't exist. He couldn't he, be he, a black fella. They weren't recognised on Australian census. I wonder census. how they could deport him. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's just small the, things. Indigenous Australians didn't exist till 1967. They weren't people. Then the English had no right to... Um, Accept him. To, to take him and jail him. Did that. <laughs> but they did. None whatsoever. God, you know, you wouldn't want to be a margin, would you? Anyway, but anyway, he was back. He was sent to England and um, he met a, an English barrister who said, you know, I'll pay you a stipend to um, become my servant and write your life story. He said, no, 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 I'm going to go back to Europe. So he returned to Europe and kept tracing around. But in 1928, he returned to London, where he had a, um, for a while, he picketed a stray house. His long grey beard damp with mist, his frail elderly frame wrapped in a large overcoat. And pinned to his coat were scores of small white toy skeletons. And he wore placards saying, this is all Australia has left of my people. But who is? I've never, ever heard of That's an amazing story, Glenn. Well, I've only discovered it a month ago. I was Googling it. And, um, anyway, he, um, he spoke at Hyde Park, England, and he was described as a toy hawker. He appeared in... Toy hawker? Toy, yeah, selling toys. Oh, well, that's just a sort of, yeah. Travelling salesman selling kids' toys, well, you know. Yes, so sort of trivialising. Anyway, in January 1929, he appeared at the Old Bailey, charged with drawing a revolver in response to a racial taunt. After some resistance on his part, Fernando spoke to a local Mary Bennett, who visited him while he was awaiting trial. She reported a small man of a gentle demeanour, self-educated, well-spoken, with a command of many languages and a good knowledge of the Bible. He was sane, intelligent, but driven. The prison doctor said yes, he has strong views about his race, but he's not delusional, and he will not be committed to an asylum. When he appeared in court, the judge was sympathetic. Fernando accused whites of murdering and ill-treating Aborigines, adding, I have been boycotted everywhere. It is Tommy Rot to say we are savages. Whites have shot slowly starved and hung us. He was given a jail sentence for farm offences, but put on two years probation. He worked for the barrister as a cook for a while, then continued to agitate around the UK with the plight of Indigenous Australians. Ten years later, he's back in court again on assault charges. He must be getting on by now. He was 74, next time, 1938, yes. He was 74. He was back in jail for um, assaulting someone. Again in court, he uses it as a forum to raise his concerns about how Indigenous Australians are treated. He was given three months in the go slow. He retired to an old man's home, and he died on the 9th of January, 1849, at Ilford, Essex, age 84. So Anthony... Martin Fernando Silva is a very intriguing, interesting indigenous Australian who we know nothing about. Well, that is that's just in, in, incredible. And um, and and what's the name of the women who? Would the two women who submitted the article to the Australian Dictionary Biography were Alison Holland and Fiona Paisley. Well, thank you, Ellison and Fiona, Ellison Holland and Fiona Paisley. Um, they're not ringing bells with me either. No. But then it's been a while since I've read stuff. I've, you're the one who reads up on the Australian stuff I read yeah. elsewhere. But um, his story's amazing. I mean, this is the time of, you know, when, um, well, it's about, you know, breeding Indigenous Australians out of existence, how they were a dying race. And, you know, they've been, look, even in the Kimberley still, in the 1920s and 30s, they've been chained together. 
Their lands are being stolen. They're being poisoned. They're being put on reservations. And he was saying that. They're starving my people. They're shitting my people. Oh, no, they dismissed him. And mm-hmm. again, and he couldn't claim citizenship because, as you know, yes. until 1967, Indigenous Australians didn't exist. That's right. And their own land, they'd been here for 50,000 years, but they did not exist. They were on a par with, you know, the, um, the echidnas and, and the Molochs and the, the ghost gums. Well, they were hoping that, that, that they'd soon be on the same as the... Um, the Protodons and Thylacines. Yes, well, the Thylacine I was thinking of. And they tried, but they, they tried, you know. I mean, the, the, and who was like, like Daisy Bates at the same time as he was in England? Daisy Bates was riding her dreadfully racist tracks about Indigenous Australians. At the same time, he's around the world trying to raise the plight mm. of Indigenous Australians. It's a concern, my dear. And you see this stuff recently in Western Australia where they they want to close down the communities. You know, it's, like it's a, it's a yeah. lifestyle choice. Hey, cheers to live here in these old humpies, you know. Cause we can mine this land. We can take this land. We did a story, was about a month ago on Nimkin Bar, how they, um, they pushed the uh, the owners off their land back in 1979, 1980. They had a big drilling company, Amex, went across and dispossessed the people from their land and to find these minerals, and they found nothing. They took their land, they forced them off there, they dug up the land, and they found nothing. And they're still not on that land. No. Still, still, not, still not there at all. And that's the sort of stuff he was speaking about, Anthony Martin Fernando. Me, Anthony Martin Silva. So I have a budget spending gone, my dear. I have a budget where, you know, we have to look after the, uh, the battling community of Australia, the, the battling entrepreneurs and, you know. Yeah, the battling entrepreneurs is bloody right. They do it hard, these ones that are rich, aren't they? No, it's not easy being rich, Susan. Well, it's even harder for those who want to be rich but haven't got there yet. The would be, so they could be. They're the, they're the real battlers. Well, because I was pretty well concerned. Because uh, I'm not allowed to watch the news. I, my doctor has told me not to, you know, look at these things. But I couldn't help but I focus on, you know, one topic at a time, one at a bit will do. And I see that the Minister for Women, also known as the Prime Minister, I'm Miss Rabbit, yes. Well, there's a man who has a long history of disparaging, degrading and disrespecting women, of course, as well as um, bloody substantial, substantiated claims of violence against, well, one particular woman anyway. university does, yes. Yeah, but but these ladies, it's like there's every, like... It's like there's an attack each and every day, isn't it? There, listen, the bloody hell. His latest attack on women is his declaration that there are women out there double dipping, defrauding, and rorting. Yes, They're sir. out there double dipping, defrauding, and rorting. This is, it's, but it's part of the fact that there's nothing in the least fraudulent about women accessing available support from their employer and from their government. This is what they tell you. You can out the bits of paper. This is what, you know, we, that's what it... But this, just to use that language, to use language to, to women, they're saying they're fraudulent and they're rorting when they're acting entirely in the law. It's a pretty hostile uh, in, environment to be in if you're about to have uh, a baby. Mind you, it just makes me think of Abbott's uh, first declaration when he was talking about paid parental leave. He was talking about women of calibre. Calipers? Women of calibre. This is what what he said, that um, there were women of calibre who, and the country would be the poorer for them, having to take this time, you know, and 
to have children and things, and they were the paid. That was the paid parental leave, which uh, which here in after listener I, I will refer to as PPL. It's a lot easier than saying paid parental leave. So, but, but that's but language matters. First, oh. first of all, when he was pushing this PPL, he was talking it was for women of calibre. Now he's saying. No, this there are women out there rorting and double dipping fraudulently, robbing like they're bludgers and cheats, and they're robbing from the government. They're Actually, ripping off you, the, the the taxpayer. Language is really important. It reveals what's going on, and what's revealed by his latest bloody well, it's a linguistic attack as well. Yeah, it's an it's, outburst, of course. It's contempt. It just shows it's an once again. How can any woman have voted for this man? He shows means did. Contempt, utter, <laughs> means utter, voted for him. utter contempt for women and a, a despicable willingness to exploit women and their babies for short-term bloody political game. He's despicable. I find him, in my opinion... In your opinion? In my opinion, the Prime Minister is a despicable, contemptible person. I can agree with but you, that's, yes. But that's my opinion. I don't it disagree. It is not the opinion of, of uh, this station or the Federation of Trump or of the Management Committee. It's no. my opinion, and my opinion only, listener. That's right. It's Susanna Duffy's opinion. I'll be right honourable Tony Abbott, Prime Minister of Australia, 2015 now, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I'll tell you one person who did it hard in the budget, Jerry Harvey. He's a bloke who, um, bit of a kingmaker, isn't he? All these, uh, all these tax cuts for small businesses. Oh yes, you go to buy Harvey Norman's products, you know. I you, don't buy Harvey Norman's products. But they encourage. I don't too. But it's encouraged, you know. Let's cut taxes for you. You, you would be if you could be, and you can go on to Jerry Harvey and buy his products. And um, yeah, look, you, you can't have a win-win situation. Every winner leaves the loser. And if Jerry Harvey's winning, and the would-be's who could be winning. Someone's losing, and it might be us. I mean, I know they've made some changes. There's been big cuts to education and health, which is unu- isn't unusual. So this reflects contemporary Australian 2015, where, um, yes, we have a, a very, very dominant, uh, what's the word, the, the paradigm of neoliberalism. But both parties adhere to it. And again, also, if the taxes and the budget, I notice how, because we're not going to build the East West Link in Victoria, they're going to withhold funds from us. In Western Australia, which is one of the, the bastions of conservatism, gets extra money from the government. So again, I do have a bit of an anti-WA bend at times, but I mean, it's, it manifests itself in the way the, uh, the feds operate. So Victoria loses money, and then we're a far bigger state, we have more people, but WA population gets more money than we get in Victoria. So there's all these political decisions that are made. I seek, well, I'm silly, I know, but I always see a class uh, division there between yeah. the West, whole of Western Australia. No convict settlements there. Yes, it was. Fremantle. Oh, we'd free one, that one in Fremantle, of course. South Australia had none, WA had Fremantle. I've forgotten Matt Fremantle, of course. How could I forget Fremantle? That is It's Fremantle when it says, make sure you take care of your Finians. Yep. Or the Yankees will steal them away. The, the, the goodness man, they didn't close until the like 1870s, Fremantle. It was the last one open, the last one closed. And look at Victoria. We're now panel station here too. But, but look at Victoria. With I live the here. big convict uh, 
settlements here in Victoria and Tasmania. A lot and of New con- South Wales. No, but we're looking at Victoria. Oh, yes. Saying, look at this. And look at the history of Victoria and the kind of people that have come out of Victoria, the kind of spirit that Victorians have. Oh, I'm getting worked up about my I home state have- here. Come, look, but... Look what's come from Victoria, I've often those said, charters mm-hmm, you have right. often said, Glenn. The birthplace of democracy in Australia is Victoria. The, the land conventions, the Eureka Stockade, the eight-hour day. That wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't in that whoop-whoop. It was Victoria. It was in Melbourne. We led white Australia in trying to advance democracy. We did indeed. And then you look at the Western Australia and, you're, and I see that class line there. And I see the attitude of the... the so using Western Australia as an entity, imagine yeah. it, it's an entity, I see this entity sneering at the entity Victoria yeah. and saying uh, peasants and Irish and rebels and all. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, they do. So, of course, they get more money. You're talking do. about politics and economics. Yeah. I just see straight through but the again, guts of the matter. But Victoria, like we, because Mr Abbott said last year's state election was a referendum on the East-West Link, and Victorians said, no, East-West Link. We voted no for it. So what does he do? He withholds money. Because we said no for his pet project. In WA... You know, mm. their boom's coming going, okay, they're licking less money than expected, but hey, it's life, that's why it goes. That's capitalism. You know, it gives them more money than we get per head of population. Sure, like, you know, Victoria, we've had manufacturing decimated, but again, WA has always been, for various reasons, the bastion of conservatism in Australia. And there's a long, sordid history. I've discussed a few times in the past on this show oh. how they've tried to secede from Australia. And they produced great people like Lang Hancock and Sir Charles Court. And um, that's a reflection of, you know, the, it's almost like a big, small town attitude. You know, they're separate the rest of the East Coast, you know. Well, you're not. We're a federation, whether you're local or not. You know, we're, 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 the land we stand on is the same blackfellas land for mob who was here for 50,000 years. Anthony Martin Fernando's mob were here for a long time before we invaded. Anthony Martin Fernando. Anthony Martin Fernando. Fernando, or Silver, as he Silver. was before. Silver. Yeah. Anyway. Cross my palm with before Silver. Before I get on my horse, I'll depart soon. I'll leave a bit of a putt-putt outside, and it sounds like the bag man's Harley Stevenson. I've been a bit worried about the bag man of late. What's happening, my dear? Well... He's taken up this Facebook thing. Has he? Yeah, and uh, he's always in there and he's always putting photos, photographs of himself eating. Goodness me. Yes. Must be hungry. But the bag man of all people. Good. Hasn't got worms, has he? Um, do you think there might be some, something's happened to him? It's sort of not... I'll tell you what, my dear. He'll be in the studios very soon, so the listeners might have to share the information. So you can ask him why you're on Facebook always eating and he can maybe share for the benefit of the millions of listeners oh, who want to know about it. Look, oh, mm. I wouldn't like to ask him to his face. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it'd be rude. My dear, it's a personal ask, thing. If you don't ask, you don't know, they say. Yes, but it's a personal choice. Okay. It's a lifestyle choice. It is a lifestyle choice. I wonder if, if, if I sort of front up in court about something and I could say it, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. I wonder how I'd go. The judge would say, um, yes, it's a... Uh... Well, Gina Reinhardt manages very well with her lifestyle choice. Well, she's in WA, isn't and she? And we pay for it. We do, we pay for it. We pay for the private school educations. We pay for the private health insurance. We pay for all the private stuff that the individuals want. Anyway, enough of my bevel. Until I return next week on this wonderful show on your only radio left, 3CR, I'll say those words, my forebears. Chocula. Chocula. 
like going back home Right now while the mangoes are ripe Friend, your pennies starting to blue And them blue bones starting to bite Hey mom, I can just taste your fish soup and rice I'm coming back home to you Connect the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming and brew Heading out to Blackberry Tree now Hey, the dusty mud stuck in our head Uncle Harry got a Honey fell well, she really don't care Hey mom, I can just taste your fish soup and rice I'm coming back home to you Connect the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming and brew Lazy breeze Blowing through your mind your feet there anytime The luggers are in on the springtime And the gambling house is back Banker Hill Makan will sit on But a lot of you we got put the in front And Dad we're gonna rag a little Johnny tonight Make a riot sing with the moon Connect the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming and brew So I feel like going back home Right now while the garbage is right The jiggle tree's starting to bloom And them gears starting to bite Hey mom, I can just taste your fish soup and rice I'm coming back home to you Call at the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming and brew Soon I'll be dreaming and brew Soon I'll be dreaming and brew As I was saying earlier, listener, it's so fortunate that you can't see what goes on behind the microphone. Before I turn it on, there's all these strange things. Once again, 
There are mysterious, mysterious goings-on present in Studio One here at 3CR and 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. That mysterious goings-on, one of which included the bagman having a very strange and possibly dubious phone call. But but if he tells me what horse it was, I'll, I won't say any more about it. Good morning, Susan. Oh, yes, good, morning, good morning, listeners. Look, in everything in life... Um, if you're if you're in doubt, race four, number four. Doesn't matter which race course, race four, number four. It'll always bring you back from the brink. Race four, number four. Race four, number four. Um, is that one of those um, things that I have to try? Yet I still have to, have to try the one when one door closes, another door opens. Well, I've tried that in my house. It it, it doesn't work like no, that. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't work here in 3CR. That's right. But, of course, there are heavier doors here. And don't let the door bang you on the bum on your way out. Remember the old saying, here's your hat, what's your hurry? In other words, piss off. (laughs) Oh, well, I didn't make it up. Truly, I heard that. Um, On some other hat. Here's your hat, what's your hurry? Anyway. (laughs) One of Victoria's highest paid local government officials, we spoke about this last week, the Chief Executive of Darabin Council, who is on almost $400,000 a year. What are you on, listener? Um, he may not have a legal contract. Local Government Minister Natalie Hutchins, g'day Nat, has written to the council, putting it on notice that Chief Executive Razia Devs Three hundred ninety-five thousand contract is under investigation. So, I'm sorry if I, uh, sorry if I, um, uh, uh, what do you call it when you embellish things? I said four hundred thousand. Actually, three hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> exaggerating. It's that's insane. So he doesn't get four hundred thousand. No, well, no. I'm just well, trying to round it up. Well, and if we, we need an apology on air. Yeah. Oh, What's sorry. his name, Wahid? Razia Dev. Raz- okay, Razia Dev, we're awfully sorry. You yeah. don't get 400,000 smackaroos a year. You get only 395,000 395, no, oh. 395, plus, plus, plus lurks. So it rounds it up to 400,000. And also, we don't know that. Well, we don't know, but we can assume. We'll stick to the facts. $395,000. $395, and Mia... Stephen Sitzis is also being investigated for the manner in which the pay packet was awarded to Mr Dev in March. His father-in-law? I wouldn't think so, but they might be close. Anyway, um, uh, the the mayor um, negotiated with the the chief executive officer of Darabin Council and awarded him a $395,000 contract. Now, you take into account, Susan, that this was the uh, council that was under investigation by the ombudsman for being too close to developers. Um, yes. And while that investigation was going, half the council left. The, those that have been in negotiations with Developers. Well, one could only assume. One could assume yeah, they just left. They up and left the council and thought, which, oh, is, which is their right. Yeah, that's their right to do that. Um, before their uh, the well, heat is uh, heat, heat is put on them. Before it gets any warmer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's also the council that uh, former mayor Diana Asmar um, left 
under a cloud, under a cloud, owing $18,000 in a phone bill and other equipment. Now, when I tried to investigate that, and uh, first of all, the council said, yeah, that's right, Uh, we'll give you the information, uh, bag man. Um, Next day, oh, sorry, we can't release any of that information. It's in the hands of our lawyers. So, therefore, it's strictly in confidence. So we don't know because they haven't told us whether the $18,000 that belongs to the ratepayers of Darabin um, uh, have been paid back or not. Now, I don't want to find out later, Backman, that it wasn't $18,000, that it was uh, It was in the ballpark. Yeah. $995.43. That's right, All yes. right? Close enough to 18000 because we rounded it up because there was other equipment. Um, so... This is the uh, that's the person that now runs the Health Workers Union. They changed the name to protect the innocents. It used to be called the Health Services Union, but she now runs the Health Workers Union. She was recently, it was recently suggested uh, in the Royal Commission that she be charged with fraud, along with another person called Kimberly Kitching. But Kimberly has gone off into the ether. She's left. We don't know whether she's still on their shores or not, but she no longer works at the Health Workers Union with Diana Asmar. Well, where could she have gone? Well, I suppose you're a political apparatchik. Um, They would find you a a seat somewhere in some politician's office or... Oh, dear me, I don't understand. I can't follow all this stuff sometimes, Bagman. But some very strange things go on with unions. You know, I heard a very strange thing this week... Mm. About the union. Which union? ASU. ASU, Australian Services Union, yes. yes. the ASU. And there's an organiser with the ASU. Formerly he was with the CFMEU. But anyway, he's now with the ASU. Yeah. I'm not telling you his name. No, but can I guess it? No, please don't even. All right, okay. I'm please. not uttering a word. No. Uh, I'll listen to your rumour. Yes. All right. Rumour. Um, well, an ASU member just about to be retrenched, fearful, worried about she didn't have enough soup, she couldn't have any, what's going to happen, etc. Now, the advice this organiser gave her uh, was about was concerning her little cottage um, in Newport, and he suggested that she sell him the backyard. People do that, but then she changed her mind. Yeah, and what happened? Well, there's been a fair bit of trouble about. Changing minds. And the organiser has already applied to, to the council to have the permit for the flats to be built. Oh, God. smart. Who would we know that lives in Newport, which is a fairly Small. substantial suburb? Yeah, but it's like it has a little village. And has build. a little backyard where you, can buy, where you can build a block of flats. Well, I'm not saying any more. Give me a hint. No, I'm not. I cannot bag a man. I'm going to make up your own mind then. Well, do it. You can make up your own mind off air. <laughs> All right. Um, if anybody wants to find out, just go to bagman55 at hotmail.com and I'll tell you. Uh, anyway, getting back to Mr. Dev, Mr. Dev rose to prominence in 2012 when he sent an emotional and highly unusual farewell email to all of 
1,300 Darabin staff two years ago, in which he said he had lost the will to fight back and decided to quit from local government. Well, I suppose someone dangled another $395,000 in front of him because he's back. Well, I, look, if someone <laughs> dangled that in, 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 in front of me, I tell you what, I'd be... I'd, you wouldn't see me. I'd just go chop straight Wouldn't see away. you for the dust. The dust wouldn't even have time to form. Oh, yes, it's and I'd be up there, and I'd tell you what, comrade, I, I, I wouldn't even recognise you in the street. I'd, 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 pretend, <laughs> I'd pretend I knew You'd no You'd look one. the other way. I'd look, no, yes, but I'd pretend I was a, I was a dead set, you know, asshole. I'd pretend, <laughs> right. I would, I would. Well, would you have to work, would you have to work at that? Well, Being a dead set asshole. Well, obviously, <laughs> if I took such a uh, a nice bribe, I I would be yes. But but then again, for three hundred ninety five thousand, I could be very tempted. That's that's enough to get me mm. to go and live where I want, where yeah. I planned, where I planned on living. Anyway, we should make the distinction, Susan, that majority, the vast majority yes. of unions and union officials are honest, straight up. Um, and ready to work for you, except... And they will work for you as hard as it, they bloody can. That's right, except those that are caught up in the Australian Labor Party uh, right-wing factions. Yes. Uh, you see that fight during the week? Oh, it was a beauty. Broken glasses, people threatening to stab people in the face with a broken glass because multi-millionaire businessman John Singleton... Oh. Is going to be issued with a criminal infringement notice and fined five hundred and fifty dollars for lunging at good friend and fellow millionaire Jack Cowan during a long lunch at the Warmalu restaurant. Hmm. Oh, the That's old as long as the old Well, there was this was always an absolute home for, for criminals. Yeah. <laughs> always was. I, I I see that it's still keeping up to its name. Five hundred and fifty dollars. To John Singleton would be like getting slapped around the ankles with a wet tram ticket. It'd uh, be, be like me dropping a, a, a five cent coin and thinking, "Look, I'm not going to go to all the trouble and bending down up. to pick that up." Because you might do your back when yes. you're bending down to pick it up. Not worth it. Um, but uh, yeah, here's two old two old codgers, uh, both multi-millionaires. Jack Cowan, who owns, uh, I think, uh, Hungry Jacks. Yeah, Hungry yes. Jacks restaurants. Came from South Africa. Uh, him and his mate uh, his were fighting old like mate single, singers. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, I don't mean to call them singers. You, you keep those names for friends. Yeah. Fighting like a couple of teenage boys, and uh, he got fined two hundred or five hundred and fifty, uh, five hundred and fifty dollars. Jeez, that doesn't hurt him. That wouldn't even cover, or didn't even cover, because we've seen the uh, the bill that he got didn't even cover uh, the price of the wine they were drinking. Didn't even drink cover wine the at price of the wine. Ninety-five dollars a glass. That's not bad. Ninety-five dollars a glass. glass. Well, yeah. I don't know what wine it was, but you know, I'd rather just have a beer than ninety-five dollars a glass. It probably wouldn't taste any different than the than the than the wine I used to buy um, in um, in the brown paper bag in Sicily when I take my plastic bottle to the wine shop and they. Pour off a bit from their big really? barrels. Really? Did they? Yeah, and I in my and I take a little plastic. Well, it was about the size of a Coca Cola bottle. Sorry for swearing, but it was about that size, oh. and it cost me one euro. Gee, that's all. one yes, euro. But yeah, but I'd say that would be on the same level 
has $95 a bloody glass. Yeah, yeah. What, look, when you've, if you're going to drink wine like that, okay, the first two sips, you can taste it. The third sip, you can't even taste the stuff anymore. And no one, no, I dare anyone, I defy anyone, I defy anyone to tell me that they can. Well, anyway, um, it still goes by the old name of Lunatic Soup, and it obviously, well, yeah. it obviously charged up the, these two old codgers, um, you know, more money than cents, um, and they're going to be fined five hundred and fifty dollars. Golly, oh, golly you could do with five hundred and fifty bucks. But, I'll uh, say I could. But he feed you for a month. Oh, yeah. feed me well for a month. Yeah, and there's a there's a job going for you too, Susan, because uh, Tony Abbott has spent $100,000 on travel costs to send environmental department officials to lobby other countries, not to list the Great Barrier Reef as in danger. So he's sending these people all over the world, 59 countries he's sending them, sending them to, at a cost of $100,000 to say, don't you worry. To lobby. Don't you worry. The Great Barrier Reef is okay. We're setting up a couple of oil wells around it and whatever. We're dumping uh, toxic uh, metals into it. But uh, don't worry. Um, everything's okay. Where do you get a job as a lobbyist? Well, I suppose you'd have to be a friend of the government, I should oh, imagine. Oh, well, that yeah. puts me out. yeah. Ah, oh, that puts me right out. Sometimes I think it's just not fair. But, of course, but the universe isn't fair. There's no such thing as a concept of fairness in mm. life. Anyway, there was a hearing, and uh, the hearing heard the government had met with officials in 19 countries with only two um, remaining. And here's a chance for you to get a birth here, Susan. Guess where they are? Algeria and Senegal. Now, they would know a lot about the Great Barrier Reef, I should imagine, um, so they're seeing them. Uh, the only two countries they haven't visited is Algeria and Senegal. God knows what you get in Senegal. Uh, I don't they, even know where it is. It's in Africa, isn't it? They speak French, don't they? They're, they're a French-speaking they? um, spot. So Algeria, maybe. Yes, yeah, but, I think Algeria may be. But Senegal, well, in, in Algeria they speak Arabic and French. Yes, do they? And I'd say English. That 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 that'd be on the up 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 on the same level, but I think that Sen- Senegal 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 listener help me listener help. I'm sure I'm pretty sure they speak French. They're not that it make any difference to me. My um, schoolgirl French. Well, I I can manage you know in sort <coughs> of t- well I managed in Tunisia with schoolgirl French. How long ago was that? Tunisia, twenty twelve. Really? Yeah. That part of your trip to um, yeah. Italy where you... I just got the ferry Where you across. studied that bloke, the one-eyed bloke who had one eye and threw rocks into the river. That's right. What was his into name? Into the ocean. What was his name? The Cyclops. Ah, oh, Cyclops. Yeah. No, I, I just got the ferry across. Oh, it's, yeah. cl- it's closer than... It's a lot faster than taking the ferry from Melbourne to Tasmania. Really? When I was in Italy, there's actually a, 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 a boat that... The train um, yeah, runs on to right. and parks there, ferry, yes. and it takes you across the ferry. I don't yes, think it, it may have been it's Sicily, a, yes, Catania. It's a train. Uh, well, it goes to Messina, I think, but it doesn't matter. It goes across. The train goes on the ferry. It was great. It was. It was I terrific. loved it. You had to get out of the train and go upstairs and drink some beer, but uh, well, other than that, 
Well, I was uh, waiting to go on the train because I wanted to think of the Straits of Messina. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, this is this great. That, well, there was my hero, Ulysses, sailing up the Straits of Messina there with the dangers on each side, oh, the rocks of Caribbean. Oh, my God. So by and this time, like, the drugs had taken effect. And, and I thought, I'm <clears> going to get up. And I thought, yes, by the time I sort of get myself off the set and get up the bit. By the time I realised we were even on the blasted ferry... Because it didn't feel a thing. No, no, it's no uh, great rocking waves, no raging torrents, no, no, nothing. Ah, uh, oh, still doesn't matter. We <coughs> we um, survived. Anyway, Labor MPs in New South Wales should be forced to do a week of work experience in the real world Look, um, yes. in order to rectify how little they know about everyday life. A key national union leader has suggested. Now, the call comes from Bob Nanva, National Secretary of the Tram Rail, Tram and Bus Union, and it's in response to the inaugural speech of Cogra MP Chris, Mer- Chris Minns, who called for reduced union influence within the party. Now, Mr Minns is a former New South Wales Labor Right Faction Assistant Secretary, and he told the New South Wales Parliament, Parliament that Labor must do more to represent Australians who are not in the trade union. Now, therefore, I would suggest that he's a bit out of touch also. But, uh, a bit out of touch? Yeah. I'm, I, I was lying back thinking... <laughs> you were lying back too. Thinking, my God, these people still exist and they still go around talking. And people still go around saying things like, you know, so-and-so should spend a week on the dole or what. No, bugger Just a that. week? No, bugger that for a joke. No way. I give them, and I'm soft. I'm the softy here. I would say six months of it. Six months on looking for work and then doing your work, all your work for the dull things, getting sent to places to turn up on public holidays, travelling there on public holidays with the public holidays, public transport timetables, getting to these places to find them closed, locked because it's a public holiday and then being docked $125 or so from your lousy meagre pittance of your new start, whatever it's mm, called, mm. because you didn't do that day work for the toll experience, yeah, even mm. though it was a public holiday, the place was closed. That, I'd like them to do that. I'd also like them to be evicted from the sort of hovel, well, sort of disguised the as a room they live under, yeah. and then let them try and find somewhere to live on that. And only six months. I'm only saying six months. I mean, I'm not... You are a softy. I am a softy. I can give them to life. And then come and say to me, oh, you know, bludgers out there and we give them too much money. Oh, well, yes, I am a softy. Six months, but still six months. Remember the 80s when all those millionaires were going around and uh, everyone that didn't have a job was called a doll bludger? Yes, I do. And television programs were made about the, the, the doll bludger. Well, most of those rich millionaires ended up being doll bludgers oh, I'm themselves so pleased to hear that. I'm when the arse fell out of uh, out of their system. Oh no, but they wouldn't be doing the, doing it on, on on the same road. I can oh, assure no, you. You'd be like uh, Jeffrey Edelson. He's got more money than you pay a stick at. Um, but we're not allowed to know about it. Anyway, how how did Jeffrey Edelston get into know. this conversation? I don't know. Let's kick him out. Kick oh, him out of it straight my away. God. Yes. I see that uh, you know they're talking about. 
married mother's double dipping uh, on paternity leave and whatever. I've already given a big rave about that. Have you? I'm absolutely furious about it. Have you mentioned who they were? The women of calibre, I suppose. No. Well, they were wives of Matthias Corman, who said that people um, that use the system are double dipping and are basically uh, rotters of the system. And the other bloke was Josh Frydenberg, who happens to be, um, what's his name, Joe Hockey's offsider. And they've both been rorting the system themselves. Yeah, but they're not, it's not rorting the system, as we know perfectly no, well. No, because it's within the law. That's what they yeah, say. Yes, it was, of course it is. Within, within the, the law, law for them, but uh, they're but still allowed. But it's not within the law for e- for every other woman. No, absolutely not. Do you see Bill um, Bill Shorten's um, reply to the budget? Oh, he had a reply, did he? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, that's what you asked me re- whether I'd seen <laughs> it. <laughs> Who oh, knows? Who knows, yeah. oh, um, golly, I golly. turned off after about 20, 20 oh no, I, I, I would have liked to have said that I, I lasted for 20 seconds, but no, big Billy Shorten, gee, I'll tell you what, couldn't, couldn't pull the skin off a of rice custard, that's how tough that bloke is. <sighs> oh well. Nine fifty five. It's sad. Really, it is. No, but it's bloody contemptible. Well, well you take into I'm, account mm. we've got the worst government in Australia's history. Yeah. The most unpopular prime minister who lies, cheats, backflips, flip, flips forward, flips backwards, and whatever. And Bill Shorten can't even lay a glove on him um, as far as popularity polls go. So there's either a lot of stupid people out there, um, or Oh, surely you're not saying that. Bill don't just you? hasn't got what it takes. I don't know. Anyway, getting back to uh, Bob Manver from the Rail Tram and Bus Union saying that uh, people ought to take up the tools for a week um, at a time to see what life is really like. Bob, you've got to be careful when you throw, when you throw rocks. You're ah. a lawyer, mate. You're a lawyer. Um, you didn't come up through the, through the ranks. Um, you're appointed your position uh, because you're a lawyer. But anyway, that's just my little gripe for the day. It's good for you. It's good for you. It's oh, this is therapy for me. I look forward to coming in on Friday morning. And, you know, people might think, oh, geez, that bloke took shit. Um, but it's therapy I for me because I get it off my shoulders. You know, I don't have to go home and worry anymore, about, except for the bloke who's fixing up my door at the moment. That's another story for another time. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm just smiling here thinking, well, don't worry, in a few weeks, in a few weeks, Bagman, you won't recognise me. In a few weeks, I won't be here, Susan. Oh, in you'll a few be weeks. around the Greek islands. That's right. I'll be in Santorini or Crete or Crete or somewhere with the Cretans or the Cretans. I'm not sure what yeah. to call them. Oh, I must say thank you to that listener who rang in to say that Senegal is in West Africa. It's on the Atlantic and the capital appears to be Dakar. But do they speak French there? Oh, who knows? Yeah, you see a lot of um, a, a lot more Africans uh, being uh, coming into our community, and I love them. Mm. You know, the Somalis and the Ethiopians and the they're, Senegalese they're and whatever. The, yeah, mainly from up there on the Horn of yeah. Africa. Yes, I know you should. They come down my street and they Do read they? and they pick up and they blow that stuff out of the gutter. You know you know what I mean. They do all that oh, stuff. Oh, the bikes on the council. 
Yeah. Oh, right. Well, it's good that the councils are giving them a job. Anyway, it's 9.58, Susan. So it is. Oh, it, well, it's getting close. 9.58 on one wall and 9.58 on the other wall. So we're it's back, in, we're back in June. <laughs> and uh, Chris Gaffney's come in to present the next program. Yes, keep left, bud. Yep. And you've been listening to... Well, People out there have been listening to Susan Duffy's very... No, you're doing it wrong. No, nah, get nicked. Um, anyway, let's go out in the same old way. All right, why not? All right. Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight. Well, you lose. Yeah, goodbye. Good morning from Left Up to Breakfast.